0: Yo, kids, this is Nick the Tooth, and today I am joined by my co-host and publisher of The Infinite Worlds magazine, Winston Ward. Alright, here we are for another episode of Infinite Worlds. This What what? Right. We're gonna I think this one we're gonna call the stuck in limbo episode. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Right? I mean we get we're sitting on this ticking time bomb that is uh, the upcoming election. We've got covid and we are stuck mm-hmm. inside. So Let's talk about what. uh, What are the each of us talk about the three things that are we're using to help pass the time. You're
1: just gonna recommend some uh, some media for you guys because uh, that media is helping us from going insane right now, and hopefully it'll help you guys from going insane. This turned out to be a really fun episode, so I'm really excited to share this with you guys. This is to, like it, it was an episode to stave off insanity, but it really turns out to be really fun. I thought so.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's listen, man. Let's buckle up and do this. All right. All right, dude, what is going on, man? Another week? What's up, man? Uh, Well, I am, uh, I kind of feel like I am stuck in limbo here. We are, man, we're recording this a week, less than a week out from the election. It's the 29th of October right now. Yeah. By the time this drops, it'll be like a time machine where we'll actually know, you know, the fate of. I would hate to say, I hate to say, uh, you know, of the country, but it's really more than the country. It's a freaking, it's <laughs> humanity. What's going to happen man? <laughs> oh um, I'm, I've got so much anxiety. I'm fighting off
1: anxiety so hard right now. I don't have like a regular job. Infinite worlds is my job. So I'm at home all the time and I don't really get to leave because coronavirus cases are spiking again here in denver and you know it's just not smart for me to be wandering around town so i stay in my apartment pretty much all day every day and i got facebook and twitter and everything raining down doom and gloom all the time so my anxiety is i I had to shave my mustache today because i kept picking at it I was just so, so goddamn anxious all the time. So for the first time in like forever,
0: I'm without a mustache and I feel like, I feel like a little kid. Dude, I, I beat you there by like two weeks or 10 days, oh. I think. Cause I just, to.
1: So if you're looking at the podcast cover art, it's not entirely accurate right now. I, although I'm going to let it grow back. Of course.
0: I am too. I'm growing mine back already. <laughs> like...
1: I just kept tugging at it and everything. And my wife was
0: like, stop. And I was like, I, I can't, I'm just so anxious Oh my gosh. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's uh, it's so wild how it's like, we're in this twilight zone limbo. That's the simulation is just glitching so freaking hard, yeah. man. Everywhere I look, I'm like, there's more evidence, like news coming out where you're like, that did not just happen. That did not no just way. happen. You're in California a lot, a lot of the time.
1: So I know you deal with this a lot, but I'm just now living in Colorado for the first time. And the wildfires here have been bananas several times in the past week. The sky over Denver has been so ominous looking. And so, like, I mean, straight up scary. Nothing short of scary. Bright red skies and huge smoke clouds hanging over the sky. And and I don't go out a lot. So, when I go outside and I see it for the first time after going outside, I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot.
0: It's even worse out here. So, it's... It's crazy because, you know, I mean, as far as us living in an ancestor simulation, it's just becoming more and more relevant that if we were gonna choose a time to come visit like what happened then it would be now I mean I was just telling that to someone I'm like you know you do realize this summer we hit uh, in California 130 degrees right as far as temperature that's insanity this latest hurricane that just hit category two is the latest storm as far as in the season this size to hit in over a hundred years we've got wildfires everywhere the zeta hurricane is that what it was zeta i think yeah z because there's so many
1: (laughs) i lived in atlanta for a long time so i still keep up with a lot of atlanta people on social media and the power in atlanta was knocked completely out a million people are without power in atlanta atlanta right now from a gulf coast hurricane this came through new orleans up through several states and still had enough power to knock out a million people's power supply in a completely landlocked city. Wow. It's just no joke. The weather's getting crazy. Politics is getting crazy. The mail lost Tucker Carlson's only Hunter Biden laptop evidence. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What happened with with it? So, you know, the whole Hunter Biden laptop shenanigans. Yeah. Let me just be the first to say, I don't think any politician is clear and free of any scandal, Democrat, Republican, anybody. But right now, the Republican Party is trying to push this more or less a conspiracy theory behind the Hunter Biden laptop, which is apparently Hunter Biden, who lives in California, supposedly took his laptop to a laptop repair shop in New York, like flew to New York and dropped his laptop there, didn't sign for it. The security footage of him doing it was somehow wiped and deleted, but the legally blind shop owner... Said that he visually identified him as Hunter Biden. Anyway, he left his laptop there, didn't get a receipt, never came back for it, apparently, according to this guy who's a Trump supporter, has Trump signs in his shop and all that. Then this shop owner then started going through all of the emails on this laptop for whatever reason and apparently came across all of this super incriminating, damning stuff on Hunter Biden's laptop and then sent it to the FBI and then somehow Rudy Giuliani got a hold of it and is like telling everybody that Hunter Biden's laptop's going to blow the whole Democratic presidential campaign up and i mean if it's gonna do it he's got four days left to do it dude Uh, but anyway tucker carlson Uh. who's the biggest fucking nitwit in the history of all i mean there are a lot of fucking nitwits on fox news on most news channels but especially on fox news but Tucker Carlson might be the biggest liar nincompoop ever to be a talking head in all of history. But apparently he had these papers that somehow came from the laptop or something like that and they were getting shipped to him, but then they mysteriously got lost in the mail and it was the only copy nobody involved with this thought to make a copy of them or anything. Dude,
0: it is the freaking lamest, lamest (laughs) attempt. It's another IQ test. It's like, okay, the emails last four years ago, we got it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it worked. Yeah. This one is so
1: pathetic. It's like the emails again, except with even less effort, with
0: even less meat on the bone. Oh, uh, there's no meat on the bone. That's crazy.
1: The Hillary emails were never a thing. And then they're doing the whole like, oh, the Bidens are nepotists. And they're the only reason <laughs> Hunter Biden has. Are you fucking kidding me, man? Come on, dude, you've got half the goddamn White House staff is named Trump. It's insanity. It's fucking my only hope is that Biden wins the election and then passes the baton down to a younger generation immediately cuz all these boomers have got to go. I know. It's crazy. They're screwing it up. They're not doing it right. They haven't been on the ball for 20 years. They got to go. It's time. They they need to just step aside and let people who actually know how to upload pictures to Facebook they're not prepared for Cambridge Analytica and all that stuff. They just don't know what they're doing. They're just all thumbs. They have to get their presidential aides to do this stuff for them, and it's just embarrassing.
0: I, I thought one of the most telling moments of the entire freaking campaign season was the other night when, especially us being on a science fiction podcast, was the other uh, night at a rally when Trump said, If you guys elect Biden, he's going to listen to scientists. Yeah. (laughs) like my brain started melting. I'm like, it's a simulation. It's a simulation. Calm down. It's a simulation. (laughs) It's not real. Biden retweeted that and just said, yes. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. They're both
1: playing to their audiences. Trump's followers are so anti science, despite the fact that they're literally holding mini computers in their hands while they're reading this information. They're still somehow anti science. Let's let's get off politics. Let's get off politics. I, I don't The I don't point really of that. the
0: podcast is what are we doing to pass the time exactly while we're in this limbo of, you know, this It's almost like bear, everything is bearing down on us. We're like, the, the,
1: the dogs in the cartoon like, sitting in the room <laughs> on fire just going, this is fine. <laughs>
0: so okay well let me see what i've been doing let me break it down okay i think you're so far we both shaved our mustaches right (laughs) so (laughs) the next one is and i know you're on the same path you're this one you're uh behind me on i have been getting tattooed so i've been working on this sleeve for i'd say the past four weeks and i've been getting tattooed like every five days man and it's been that's awesome yeah it's been it's been so freaking gnarly and it's all psychic and science fiction and shit you got to post some pictures for I sure will, i will i will for sure but the last i'm going in for it's probably going to be like my next session will be like the last for the entire sleeve but i am definitely getting the orb like i said from heavy metal so that's do it be, dude uh, <laughs> you know I'm that's a podcast oh yeah man for sure you're going to get a tattoo, right? I,
1: my plan is to get one. I just moved to a new city, so I don't know like the tattoo community here. I lived in Atlanta for almost 20 years, mm-hmm. I starting when I was like 18. So I knew all the tattoo artists there and all that. And I've got a lot of tattoos. If you guys don't know what I look like, I'm a fucking skinny white guy with a shitload of tattoos. Mm-hmm. And I got tattoos on my hands and my chest and you know my legs everywhere. But I haven't been tattooed in a long time, probably like five or six years maybe. But uh, I, I saw Robert Pepper, Bob Pepper is a famous sci-fi artist from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and it was his birthday the other day, and I was sharing some of his cover art in honor of his birthday on the Instagram, and there was one that really stuck out to me. It was a uh, Philip K. Dick cover for Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, and the art really struck me, but besides that, I just got to thinking about how just being a guy in his 20s who just became obsessed with Philip K. Dick's body of work really led me eventually to be in the position that I am now, hosting a show, talking about the simulation, and publishing a science fiction magazine, and living in this you know, basically every time I get the opportunity, being allowed to explore, the question is, are we human? What is human? What is reality? And I think that tattoo would really represent that really well for me. That's what
0: I plan to do next, although I still haven't picked a tattoo artist out. I love that. When you sent that to me, I was like, wow, that is amazing. I just sent you a, can you get a text right now? I just sent you a, yeah, totally. uh, a picture of the uh, of my inner forearm. Okay. Well, it hasn't, show, it hasn't,
1: oh, here it is. Oh, that's sick. Oh, dude, that's definitely some trippy sci-fi stuff. Right? <laughs> have you posted that on your um, Instagram yet? No, I uh, have uh, yeah, but... Well, definitely do so. You guys check out at Nick the Tooth when this episode comes out to see some of the crazy stuff he has tattooed on
0: him. Yeah, so the whole sleeve is completely psychedelic, man. Psychedelic and one samurai sword. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> it's like all the shit I love. Yeah, but that's, but that's, again, man, that's how we're passing the time. It's like, what the fuck yeah. are we supposed to do? Dude, cases are going through the effing roof, man. Yeah,
1: we set a new record for average cases per day this month. We're up around seventy thousand cases
0: a day. Last I looked. Oh my gosh. They say we're gonna hit a hundred hundred thousand icus are are filling up everywhere i know a lot of people are like it's
1: 99 percent survival rate and all that and they're just like discounting it or whatever but if a hundred thousand people get it one percent of that is a thousand people yeah that's a lot of people that's a thousand people a day you know that's just the people that die like a lot of people suffer long lasting health effects from this and even if you don't even if you don't suffer long even if you fully recover hospital bills in America, are a bitch. You're going to at least suffer financially from
0: it. Well, also the real issue here with uh, with with the reason they did they went with the lockdown to begin with was because they didn't want to have a situation where the ICUs were so backed up that they had right. to turn people away, which basically was a death sentence. And that's right. what's happening now. It wasn't yeah. necessarily to say, hey, we're going to keep everyone from getting it. It's just like, listen, we have it's. Math problem. We have a limited amount of beds. If X amount of people get it per day in the in the country, then X amount are gonna have to be rejected. And we're gonna have to reject X amount. I think it was Michigan that I saw open had to open up field hospitals for
1: beds, I think in a stadium or something there. I, I oh, could be wow. wrong about the exact location. But I I read that I think last week. It's getting bad again. And you know, this is the reason that not the only reason, but this is a big part of the general overall prevailing atmosphere of anxiety all around the world, but definitely here in the U.S. because we have handled the pandemic so poorly compared to... Oh my gosh, it's crazy. America is a confederation of states, you know what I mean? And they yeah. all have their own governments and they're allowed to do as they please. And there were no restrictions on traveling between states and all that. So yeah, even I mean. if your state was a really good state at locking down and really managing the, the pandemic well, the neighboring state might not have been. And all it takes is a several bus passengers or one motorcycle rally. I'll even knock the liberals here a little bit even like one protest yeah. one large mass gathering and you've got a problem again you yeah. know what i mean and yeah. no matter how what your your local government does if the neighboring local government doesn't do something then you got a problem again
0: yeah no it's a really good point i mean it's both sides it's just like you know why would you you're having these protests we get it while you're hot ha- while you're having them but at the same time <sighs> Fucking mad nice. simulation, bro. Ancestor simulation yeah. as we rip ourselves apart. So, anyways, we shaved our mustaches. We're getting tattooed. I'll tell you what I've been up to. I've been uh, writing a book for the past six or eight months.
1: I started it about eight months ago and got a pretty good chunk 25,000 words done.
0: Wow. That's awesome, bro
1: didn't get to mess with it again because of the move leading up to the move and then I think I mentioned on the last podcast that i finally got back to it you mm. know making pretty significant progress on it now being stuck at home all day really is like a good catalyst for writing no oh, that's I've been doing that
0: congratulations man
1: Well, it's getting there. You know, it's going to be a little while longer. And luckily, the current state of the world does provide me with some inspiration for the (laughs) plot of the story. Guys, I promise one of these days, you'll see me advertising the book and the book will be for sale. And, you know, then you can read it and talk all the shit you want about my ability (laughs) to write. Oh, I can't wait. Or be happy that I wrote a book, whichever one you want to do. I'm not going to be offended either way, because it's really, I think for writers, You write for yourself, really. You know, you write to get the idea out of your head. Yeah. It's 2020 or it'll be 2021 when the book comes out. Very, very little chance that I'm going to make a fortune off this book. It's just because you can't not
0: write. Yeah. If it's in you, you're gonna you're gonna have to get it out of you. Yeah, it's just that's what being an artist is. It's just it consumes. I, I get totally consumed. You know, whether it's writing or, or writing music or whatever. I just
1: you're just like a a, a furnace. <laughs> you just like burn with a a project. I guess we're in a way we're both that way, but you even more so, man. You you with your black belts and your world championships, like that's I get so
0: obsessive bro. I mean, or, or the van, you know, or the van. Yeah. Like so, whatever. I mean, somebody, you have a law degree, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a lunatic. Right? I think it's the only thing that keeps me sane. I think my brain starts freaking glitching and then it's like, okay, I'm the same way. Unless I'm,
1: unless I can channel that energy into something productive, it gets real glitchy, <laughs> right? And that's why I do infinite worlds. And that's why I love to read books. It helps me a lot. That's the other thing I've been doing, which I think is kind of the point of this episode is reading and watching movies and watching TV shows, just yeah. taking, in media and drinking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know if i've told my fans this yet or whatever but i was a uh, sober for three and a half years and i started drinking again this year and you know i don't touch liquor at all i only drink beer or occasionally wine and I don't go out to bars, obviously, because of the pandemic, but I'm just, it's me and my wife here at our apartment by ourselves. And the anxiety is just too much. So I'm drinking again. I'm having a beer right now. <laughs> I knew we were going to have to talk about some of this stuff. And I was like, uh oh, here comes all those triggers. You know what oh, I mean? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And not that I think drinking is a great way to cope with triggers. I don't think it is, but I'm only human. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. don't look to me as an example. <laughs> just forgive me for my flaws. Okay, so let's talk sci-fi shit, man. Let's talk some sci-fi shit. Besides current reality we live in, which is extremely sci-fi, Yeah. let's talk about some uh, sci-fi media. We both made kind of a makeshift list before we started this episode, so why don't you start first and just recommend something that you've you know enjoyed during the lockdown, during this corona crisis, that's helped keep you sane. Well, you go I'll first. I'll start
0: with, I, I was looking through Netflix the other night, and, uh, and I saw streaming on there, uh, Her, and, hmm. um... With Joaquin Phoenix, the Spike Jones, yeah, thing. Spike Jones, man, and and dude, oh, yeah. the, the reality is, is that Spike Jones. You know, it's interesting because you know, as like a as a creator, like a writer, I'm always kind of like really drawn to writers. But um, as far as novels go, but uh, as far as directors go, not many directors for me have a voice that I'm like, you know, like Wes Anderson has a voice. It's like, okay, you know what you're getting with Wes Anderson. Uh, and Spike Jones is one of those directors where I'm like, I don't care what it is, the moment it drops, I'm in the theater, you know, and I'm going to totally. watch that. And totally. he's one of the few. And so my first exposure with uh with Spike Jones and Spike Jones really my first exposure with Spike Jones was um skateboard videos and oh yeah yeah and in the Beastie Boys uh Sabotage that that music video and so yeah he was a really
1: popular for those who don't know Spike Jones was a really popular music video director in the 90s who segued into
0: feature films with you know with a great deal of critical acclaim when he did so yeah and he well he originally came from directing um skateboard videos and then got into music videos but he was really associated with skateboard i think he was an owner co-owner of uh, and he probably still is of the skateboard brand girl and he just his you know he had a he uh, he owned he owned girl and then he directed her right right, yeah see simulation get it (laughs) uh anyway so he um so i you know i've been i was familiar with his work um, prior to that and then being John Malkovich came out and that movie was just mind-boggling and it kind of introduced for me this brand of uh, or kind of like a sub-genre of sci-fi which was like super super low-fi um, Super lo fi sci fi, and Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. where you know, everything you're almost like the effects are like so bad, but they're so good. And uh, the effects aren't the point, yes, exactly.
1: A story is the point, the character's reaction to the reality they're in, yeah.
0: And and the reality is kind of so absurd that it just engenders this reaction from them that is so human and they're all so flawed, and uh, and so in there, and the stories tend to be like really tender and really kind of a quiet story that got kind of dealt like devolves into madness um Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah so being john malkovich was i've probably seen that movie like 30 times, but it was the next movie that he did adaptation with Nicolas cage. That just one of my favorite movies of all time writer, the greatest meta film uh, ever made ever. Right. And, and it's really about, you know, if you're a writer, then you're like, I get it. I instantly get it because he, Mm -hmm. Nicholas cage plays two, you know, he plays two characters, they're twins. And they're really the yin and yang of the of, of every writer, right? It's the screenwriter and his twin
1: brother, who is a real person, like Charlie Kaufman, the screenwriter, and his actual twin brother are both actual Hollywood screenwriters. And Nicolas Cage plays them both. And so the screenwriter writes himself into the script because he's supposed to be adapting this book, The Orchid Thief. And instead of actually adapting the Orchid Thief like he's been hired to do, he writes this insane meta screenplay (laughs) where it's about him (laughs) writing, and then all this crazy. I don't want to go. I don't want to spoil any of any of the stuff we talk about today. I'm going to try to avoid spoiling any of it. Yeah, it is a wild, wild trip, and probably one of Nick Cage's best performances. I think it's his
0: greatest by far,
1: at least in his top five. Before. He, Nick Cage is sort of like a very polarizing actor because he has some really bad movies, some extremely bad movies. <laughs> it's usually not because Nick Cage does a bad job, it's because the director's garbage yeah. or the producers are garbage. Nick Cage usually does a pretty solid job, but every once in a while when he's working with a great director,
0: he just is a complete virtuoso. Oh, he's perfect in freaking out. Yeah, so anyways, that was just amazing. And then after that came the real sci-fi, lo-fi sci-fi, which was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with uh, Another with fantastic movie. Oh my gosh, right? And that was sci-fi, but it was as lo-fi as it gets. And um, that was uh, uh, one bit of trivia for that, that whole, so Charlie Kaufman is one of the craziest screenwriters ever man, he just doesn't give a shit and um, someone had given him like a card that said, it was kind of a joke but it said you've been, you're going to be erased from someone else's memory or something along those lines and he just was like, that is the perfect idea for a story where if you could erase if you had like a traumatic breakup with somebody, so you just go to like this clinic and they erase all the memories of that person in your brain. So you have no more misery. And it was just, Oh my gosh. It is amazing movie again. And Excellent. So, I agree. Great movie. So Spike Jones then went on and did, I think when the wild Things where the wild things are, I think Dave Eggers wrote, uh, that. Dave Eggers wrote the screenplay of it? Yeah. He wrote the screenplay. That's right. I did not know that. That is, that is very interesting. Yeah. And he wrote heartbreaking work, a staggering genius to book the kind of a memoir, weird, weird memoir. That's an underrated
1: movie where the wild things are. Mm -hmm. I thought it really captured what the the children's book was about, you know, and kind of translated it for adults. So I think that's a pretty underrated movie too. Yeah. I forgot that
0: he directed that. So now Spike Jones went and wrote his own screenplay for Her and uh, Her is just it's its such a simple concept but the, the gist of it is that Joaquin Phoenix it's kind of futuristic but again very very lo-fi and so he goes to like the Apple store it's not Apple store but he goes he gets a, a, a earpiece like AirPods and he has Siri and so he sets up this um, Siri type thing and he starts having Conversing with this assist, this digital assistant uh, that is voiced by Scarlett Johansson. And, um, and he falls in love with her. And It is just so mind-boggling because you start to realize, wait a minute, this kind of, it's kind of like Lars and the Real Girl in a, in a way that you're like, wait a minute, people are having relationships with these dolls. And then the, right. the next iteration of that is it's only a matter of time before people are having a relationship with an electronic assistant. If it's artificial
1: intelligence and it's convincing
0: artificial intelligence, why wouldn't you fall it in love? Exactly. It. Exactly.
1: What's to prevent that from happening? And not to say, I'm not even judging that on a moral scale at all. I'm just saying if it's an artificial intelligence and you can converse with it with your own intelligence, there's no barrier between that and another person. I mean, obviously the physical barrier, but people have long
0: distance relationships all the time, especially in the internet age. I was just thinking people have long distance relationships all the freaking time. So yeah. And it was in it. What I loved about it was that, you know, again, it, I think it's Spike Jones hallmark is that he just deals, he delves right into, you know, the question we always ask, which is what does it mean to be human? You know? And so, right. he, absolutely. So Joaquin is having this relationship with this digital assistant and all these things come up like in a normal relationship, like jealousy and lust and you know even sex and you know it's it's just i just love the movie you've
1: seen blade runner 2049 but you haven't seen her Definitely watch her because it came out seven years before
0: or something like that, six years before Blade Runner 2049 and a, has a lot of shared oh, themes. I think it had to influence that. When I saw Blade Runner 2049, I was like, wow, they freaking really paid homage or were, were inspired at least to buy her. Yeah, it was really. It
1: kind of plays on that theme, but also plays on the theme of the original Blade Runner and do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep? Yeah.
0: For sure. It's a great choice. It's a great movie. Where can uh, streaming on Netflix. Streaming on Netflix. Yeah, and I, I think one of the cool things about his work is that because I think he was a photographer before he even when he was a teenager and so his cinematography always the aesthetic is so beautiful man coming from the music video background
1: he has sort of a slightly experimental aesthetic Mm -hmm. but it pays off a lot it's sometimes kind of stylized not that it's special effects oriented at all like you said before it's not at all but he
0: has, like, a really good eye for... No, but very artsy, right? Very, 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 very cinematic, very artsy, very, yeah. One of the... I recommend this well, before we go on to the next one. He did one of the skateboard videos, and I, I think you can find it on YouTube. But he did a, uh, a video, I think it was for girl skateboards, in which these skateboarders were skating all over the place in the woods, and they were all on invisible skateboards. You could not see the board. So, he greened the skateboards and then just keyed them out. And so, it's crazy cool. Even if you just watch a few minutes of it, check it out on YouTube. Spike Jones Invisible Skateboards. He also did um, the Kylie Minogue video for Coming to My World. Oh, yeah. I'm
1: not not a huge Kylie Minogue fan or anything, but that music video is
0: fantastic. He did a good one (laughs) for Bork, too, man, where they're like dressed up like furries.
1: I think he did the All is Full of Love video with the two robots. Oh, yeah. That video is absolutely staggering how amazing it is i think that was him i'm pretty sure that was him
0: if you're like in limbo you can go and start looking at spike jones things and it's a rabbit hole you could spend days in because and it's all that entertaining rewarding
1: rabbit hole 100 Mm
0: -hmm. so what do you got what's your first
1: my first one i'm gonna get it out of the way i really don't advertise things or promote things at all i'm not really big on promoting things but this is what I am going to promote, and there's, I've got some good reasons for it. The film Prospect. And uh, Prospect is an independent science fiction movie. It came out in 2018. Right at this moment, it's not available to watch on any of the streaming services, but it is going to be on Netflix on November 2nd. By the time you hear this, you'll be able to watch it on Netflix. And one of the reasons I want to promote it is because I accidentally got involved with some of the creative staff of this movie. I was just searching for artists to be featured in Infinite Worlds magazine. And uh, I came across this art artist, Lori Greasley, and she's a fantastic artist. She's really well known for doing this really large collaborative piece that features a bunch of different characters with the artist Deathbreaker. But when I reached out to her to do it, she was like, well, I do want to be a part of your magazine, but what I'd really like to do is illustrate a story by this writer that I know. And I was like, well, I'm really interested in your art, so let me check out this story. And she you know, sent me this fellow's story. His name is Matt Acosta, and I read a story and I really liked it too. So I was like, this is great. You turned me on to something I'm really happy to take you guys on as a team, as a writer illustration team. And then I come to find out that Matt and her were a big part of the creative team that made this film Prospect. Uh, Lori was a concept artist and Matt Acosta was the art director for the film. And their story and illustration combination will appear in Infinite Worlds number six, which is coming out in December. And when I found out that they were connected with this film, I was so stoked because I had watched the film on Netflix earlier than that. And I even recommended it on my stories on the Infinite Worlds Instagram account. And because it's just such a cool independent film, you know what I mean? And the way I described it then was, I think what I said exactly was the best space Western I've seen in ages. I don't want to tell you too much about the plot, but basically it's about a father and daughter who were on a, a mission to go prospect some material from an alien moon and some disaster strikes. And the daughter ends up kind of in a weird situation. But then she ends up partnering with this character who's played by pedro pascal and this is before pedro pascal did the mandalorian so this is pre-mandalorian pedro pascal but it is one of his best performances ever he's got a real strange mannerisms real strange manner of speaking it's a fairly somewhat low budget movie it's directed by zeke Curl and chris caldwell and it kind of went through a couple of stages of being developed i think it was released as like a short film first and then expanded but it's a really cool movie it's i'm a big fan of independent cinema And I think that the more independent cinema there is out there, the better cinema as a whole is because the cream rises to the top, but without all of the other stuff, you don't have anything for it to rise on. It'll be available to watch on Netflix. Only take you like an hour and a half to watch it. This is definitely one I recommend. It's not like going to blow your mind as the best movie you ever saw, but I'm putting it in the category
0: of a real cool. So is it like a really small cast? Is it... uh... There might be... 15 people in the entire movie oh wow
1: okay the main actors are pedro pascal sophie thatcher and uh, jay duplass i think that's how you say his name and a lot of the other characters spend their entire time on screen in masks or space helmets that are done up in artistic ways. By the time you hear this, I will have already have done it. But on the second, when the film is being debuted, they sent me a bunch of the concept art the uh, the directors did after I... Oh, wow. This was kind of a cool find for me because I got to meet these really cool creatives and they, they introduced me to the director and they sent me Lori's concept art paired with screenshots of the final designs from the film. So I'll be able to post that on Instagram. I'll do it on the second, which is the day it debuts on Netflix again. Oh, that's going to be rad. So it was on Netflix and then it left and now it's going back it might have been on a different streaming service i'm actually not not, thinking about it in retrospect i'm not exactly sure where i saw it it's possible that i rented it from videodrome in atlanta okay it's also possible that it was on netflix and then it's coming back and it's also possible that it was on one of the many other streaming services because i am a consumer sucker and if it's a streaming service i pay for it at this point i've got hbo hulu disney plus ESPN Plus, Netflix, Amazon Prime—I've got them all. Dude, what,
0: what what is going on with HBO and HBO Max? Why why are they different? And what in the because I uh, I just re-signed up for HBO. Um, now, I think through Amazon and it, they've got shows on HBO Max that aren't on normal HBO. And I'm like, what in the world are they doing? I wish I could tell you more about that, but I'm sort of a new HBO customer. In fact, while
1: in quarantine, I finally was like, I need HBO because I'm missing out on some really good
0: shows I'm being, that my followers are recommending to me. So did you, did you go HBO max? Yeah, I have the HBO, I have HBO max. That's right. Cause that's what raised by wolves is on and it's not on regular HBO now right. or whatever the heck it is. That's a perfect segue. So <laughs> let's just move on to your next <laughs> recommendation. Yeah. So my, my big recommendation is raised by wolves. It is the craziest freaking show. I think one of them that I've ever seen and you and I were talking about it without question. It's got perhaps the coolest sci-fi, intro ever it's probably the best part of the show and the show is dope man the show is great it's got really 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 great
1: lead acting i don't want to ever give away anything from any of these shows but the show st- is basically about a android pair a male and- or a quote-unquote male android and a quote-unquote female android called mother and father who are sent to a faraway planet to try to raise a human colony and that's basically the plot of the show the actors that play mother and father. It's Amanda Collin and Abubakar Salim.
0: Forgive me if I mispronounced that.
1: Are oh. fantastic,
0: extraordinary, extraordinary performances. Yeah, and then and then there's Travis Fimmel, who's one of the uh, one of the I guess colonists you would say, or one of the religious astronauts, and he mm-hmm. was on Vikings, and so he is amazing. I have not seen oh, that. My gosh, he's the lead on Vikings, and he is freaking amazing. His partner I think it's his wife on this show is also really great dude Vikings is so good it's amazing it's I generally don't go for much of that, that well I don't I want to say that I loved uh, Game of Thrones but Vikings is very different it's much more historical and it's freaking it really really cool man it's one of the best shows I've ever seen so kind of recommend that but too but Raised by Wolves man I mean I every, every episode what I loved about it is it just will set your head spinning you're like what? Is going
1: on now. So you get these I watched the show at your recommendation and the recommendation of some other people, but uh yeah, I know that you you just said you sent me a text at one point that was like I think it was just like raised by wolves
0: and then the mind blow <laughs> emoji. I avoided it for months because I thought it was about werewolves and I was like, I don't like werewolves, I'm not watching that. And it's not. <laughs> the first two episodes are directed by Ridley Scott, and you
1: guys know how much how big of fans both of yeah. us are of Ridley Scott, you know, we talk about Blade Runner and we talk about Alien. Besides all of his science fiction movies, I, I like basically every movie Ridley yeah. Scott's ever made, almost, so I'm a big fan of his. I think I, I've never seen the Noah movie and there are some other ones I've never seen. I love Black Hawk Down, I love Gladiator. I think those are all terrific movies. I think Ridley Scott's
0: in the pantheon of the all time great directors. Oh yeah, I mean, for him, him throwing his name on this thing, it was like, wow, this he he definitely brought it, and 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 you know what? I think one of the without giving away spoilers, um, and this is a hard one to talk about because every it seemed like every episode there was a new spoiler that you were like, holy shit, yeah, but yeah, totally. um, I think that um, one of the negatives of the show is also its its greatest strength, which was it leaves you guessing. You're just like, what yeah. in the world? Everybody that I've talked to said that. They're like, dude, I don't even know what to say. You know what I mean? When they finished yeah. it. And that's cool.
1: That's cool. My wife and I watched this one together. And when the last episode ended, we both were just like, what the fuck? What, what the fuck? Sometimes when shows do that, it makes me annoyed. But this no, one didn't. This one at the end, it just
0: makes me want to watch more right, episodes of yeah. the show. I agree. I agree. No, this was a good one. So definitely that, uh, that for me has been one of the best sci-fi experiences I've had as far as television for a while. Definitely a big recommend. What else do you have? What, uh, what's next on your list? Okay. Well, during the, the last few months I've got, I've had the opportunity
1: to finally finish one of my favorite shows has been an ongoing favorite of mine for a while now. Netflix is dark. Mm, loved it. Okay, so here's the thing about Dark. Dark's a German language television show, so you have to watch subtitles. I'm a subtitle guy. I put subtitles on everything I watch, just because I like to reinforce the dialogue in my mind. I feel like I get the story better if the dialogue is reinforced. That's just me. I know a lot of people are not into uh, subtitles, but this is a German language show, so unless you're a German language speaker, you're gonna need the subtitles for this. And it's an extremely confusing show, especially the first four or five episodes. So I think a lot of the audience just wasn't able to get through that barrier. There's a serious barrier there, the language barrier, the subtitle barrier, and the fact that it's wildly confusing at first. But Dark is a science fiction show and having just finished the third season, which is the third and final season, I could say without any hesitation, without any reservation, it is the best science fiction television show ever made by a mile, by a huge mile. It is the smartest script I've ever read for a television show. It has fantastic acting throughout. Every character is excellent at acting and crazy good casting, great cinematography. It's another great show that has an amazing intro. And generally, the music and sound cues for the show are near perfect. The, the music selections for the show are so, so so, so good. The theme song for the show is one of my favorite themes ever. In fact, I would have said this was the best intro to a science fiction show ever until I saw Raised by Wolves because the intro to that show is just so
0: great. You know what I really liked about the show? I loved the tone. It's so sinister. You are just pulled in. It's sci-fi and it is freaking sinister. One thing about the show, of course, is that this is a drama.
1: Um, and even though there's plenty of science fiction and plenty of time travel stuff going on throughout it has a lot of it takes place in a small town and it's all about the inner relationship between the characters in the small town. So there's a lot of drama slash melodrama even though it doesn't play as melodramatic, nothing seems forced to me at least. But this is a show with a lot of character, emotional exchanges. So, um, you know, that might be a turn-off for some viewers as well. I keep the Wikipedia page for all the things we're talking about open while I'm doing it, just so mm-hmm. I can reference it real quick. But this is a great sentence on the intro to the Dark TV series. It says, Dark received critical acclaim with praise for its tone, visuals, acting, casting, musical score, and the ambition... And complexity of its narrative. (laughs) So all the things which I was not reading that while we were talking just now. I just read that. Just I just clicked over to the thing to see if there's anything I was missing. So uh, all the things that we were just discussing have just been reinforced. Also, a great thing about this show is it is a total of 26 episodes. So it's not a huge investment of your time. Not that 26 hours is not a decent size investment. But we're not talking about Game of Thrones here. You know what I mean? We're not talking about some show that just goes on and on and on it's not lost it's not some show where you're just gonna be like damn man there's like 125 episodes of this no it's 26 episodes it wraps itself up and it's obvious from the first season that they're going to wrap it up in three seasons and i can't really explain why that that it's obvious but if you do watch the show you'll see that it becomes obvious that the three season cycle is what they were aiming for from the jump
0: is just a really great one i've not gone on and watched there's three seasons right right i have not watched season two and three are they good is it just as good it gets better and better it gets better and better
1: season two is the best season in my opinion okay season three has lots of great 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 stuff in it but even though season three is shorter than the first two seasons i feel like they probably still could have cut an episode or two, or at least condensed some of that a little bit. Okay. But that's really my, that's
0: what I just said just now is probably my deepest criticism of this show. Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna start on that. I didn't I I kind of forgot about it until you just said it because I love the first season. I just haven't watched the second season. Well, when you get to the end of the third season,
1: let me know because I I love talking about this show with people. Okay, cool. This is the only TV show ever that I've had to have references handy while watching the episodes. Oh it involves these different families. That's right, yeah. I had to print out family trees so I could remember who was related to who and how. Yeah,
0: because, because that family tree is such a massive part of the- exactly. how- of the, the nucleus plot. of the show, yeah. Yeah, so good. I'm gonna start that. I'm so stoked. If you're looking
1: for something to kill 26 hours of this very trying time in our lives.
0: <laughs> well, how many how many how many episodes was the uh was the first season? If I remember correctly, it was ten. Okay, so they wrapped the whole thing up in three seasons and twenty-six episodes. Yes. Oh, the okay. the first
1: season is ten episodes, the second season is eight episodes, the third season is
0: Six. I, that can't be right. No, it's got to be eight and eight, ten, eight and eight. Yeah, eight and eight. It's eight and eight. Yeah. Okay. It's ten eight and eight. Oh, cool, man! That's cool. I'm glad that's on Netflix and it's now on my list, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay, so my my third one, which uh, I kind of was like, ah, I'm gonna mix it up. I honorable mention, I was gonna talk about Cowboy Bebop, but I, which is just such a.
1: Great I was stoked to hear it talk about Cowboy Bebop, but I think a lot of our listeners will have already watched Cowboy Bebop.
0: Oh, it's such a cool show, man! I really digged that. And um... great
1: honorable mention, great TV show. Another show with a terrific intro and probably the most well-liked anime series of all time
0: yeah we, we might have to do an entire show on that. That would be awesome. Because it really does deserve more than just, you know, like these, this type of just glossing over such a great show. So influential.
1: We'll come back to that one. But again, if you haven't seen that, I don't know where it's streaming right now because we did, we decided to nix that idea. But if you could find it, another great way to kill some time.
0: So, yeah. So I wanted for my third one, my third and final one, I wanted to talk about um, a book and I wanted just something that was just really fun, light read reading. And, um, for me, uh, I really enjoyed, um, uh, Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. He wrote um, Wayward Pines, which is, which Matt Dillon was in, uh, they did a TV series on it, and really cool, kind of fun, you know, kind of popcorn fare, and the book was, was really kind of popcorn fare, but it was also dealt with quantum mechanics, and the book starts with a guy who's, uh, he's at home, he's a family man, he's married, he's a, I think he's a quantum physicist, and he leaves his house. And gets kidnapped and wakes up in a different reality. And it's all, the book is about him like going through. Um, and trying to figure out what happened to him and uh, why in this reality he woke up in, he is, he's not married, he doesn't have a okay. kid, and so everything has kind of like been erased. And so he's in a completely new reality, and it's—it's—it's. It's, it's, it, I don't want to give away any more than that other than to say it's really fun, it's something if you're just like, you know what, I don't need anything heavy right now, I just want something that's going to distract me, you know, Wow. all right we're ticking down the time you know in limbo
1: it's funny that you're saying that this isn't heavy but it's called dark matter <laughs> <laughs> like that's a little ironic to me but okay so true true story i never heard of this book until you recommended it and told me that you're going to talk about this the thing so i looked it up and did a little research or whatever it was reviewed extraordinarily well for a novel. It has got amazing reviews. It's a 4.1 out of 5 on Goodreads, 4.6 out of 5 on Barnes & Noble. 95% of Google users enjoyed this book. These are awesome, awesome reviews. And uh, like I said, I haven't read it. I, I hadn't even heard of it until you mentioned it, but I share a name with the author. We both got a Blake in our name. So I've got to give him a little... Give him some props. Give him some props. And I'm definitely going to have to read this book now.
0: No, it's... it's it's He's got this brand, you know, where his stuff is like that, where it's kind of challenging, not too challenging, where it's, you know, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's something you can kind of breeze through, like Wayward Pines. Yeah, it was good, but it was really like kind of popcorn fare. And I felt like th- he does that very, very, very well. And that's a skill, man. That's like Michael Crichton it's kind of like that kind of a thing where you're just like
1: comparing me? him to Michael Crichton really encourages me to want to read it because I've enjoyed every I've only read like two or three Michael Crichton books but I've enjoyed
0: all of them a lot yeah, I mean he's really good at what what he did he was just genius at right which was entertain you and I think Blake Crouch does that also his stories tend to be they're not there's not that much depth in them I think that dark matter way more depth than than uh, wayward ponds okay. but all very right. very enjoyable man something I really recommend to uh, for people To pick up,
1: it wouldn't be a very good sci fi podcast if we weren't recommending at least one book. Right? Originally, the idea for this podcast is we were going to do like streaming service stuff, but Nick was like, no, let's let's definitely get some literature in there. And props to him for that, because I think that is. Definitely the better way to go. Yeah. So, okay, so my honorable mention is going to be The Man in the High Castle, the Amazon Prime TV series based on the book by Philip K. Dick. Okay, so obviously you all know how much I appreciate this author, how influential he is to me, so I feel like I would have been remiss to not include something of his on this list. Basically, the story here is in this alternate history reality, the Axis powers, that is Germany and Japan, have successfully won World War II, And America has been conquered, and the eastern half of America is under the control of the Nazis, and the western half of America is under the control of the Empire of Japan. The book takes place 15 or so years – the book and TV show, I'm sorry – take place about 15 years after the end of World War II. Hitler's died, and there's a power struggle in the Nazi party. While this is all happening, the normal lives of the people living in America under control of the Nazis and under the control of Imperial Japan are witnessing this. In the book, it's a book. In the television show, it's a film reel, but basically it exposes a reality in which the America won World War II. Our reality, our actual reality is the meta-reality In this book. So, this is an extremely meta story. It's an extremely meta television show. The TV show really plays like just like a regular period piece kind of drama for the most part because, as an alternate history, the science fiction elements of it are pretty subdued. But I recommend it. It's got four seasons, also rated extremely well, also has a terrific intro. Yeah.
0: I saw the first season, man. I thought it was really cool.
1: Kind of slow. It's kind of slow. I think it picks up a little bit as it goes on. But again, it's not not going to be any laser blaster battles and uh, aliens bursting out of people's chests. It's a slower burn. No, I enjoyed it. I thought it was dope, man. Okay. But my actual recommendation, which I think I've mentioned on the show before once or twice, is this something from the 1950s. This is a radio show called X-1 that was produced by NBC Radio in the 1950s. And these are half hour long episodes. And the episodes are radio plays with full casts and sound effects and the whole deal. And they're based on stories by science fiction writers of the day or, you know, the years leading up to the 1950s. It's got a bunch of classic science fiction writers and they're popular stories that were published in science fiction magazines and some in like, you know, mainstream magazines produced as radio dramas. And it's got a ton of the 1950s corny cheese factor for sure. But that's a big part of its charm. That's one of the reasons I'm recommending it to you. And there are 126 episodes of this radio show, it's available on uh, audible.com and you can find episodes on youtube as well and this is a really cool introduction a really great way to introduce yourself to classic science fiction if you're not interested in reading a bunch of 70 year old 80 year old you know theodore sturgeon books and robert Heinlein books and that kind of thing if you're more interested in what's contemporary you just don't want to spend the time to read the books you can digest these stories really quickly and i noticed that a great deal of the stories are really true to the originals like, they don't take a lot of creative liberties in this, even though it's produced
0: for the radio. It has that going on for it, too. Oh, that's so cool, man. I am going to check that out, man. I haven't even heard of it. This was on uh,
1: NBC's radio. Back in the day, the TV networks had radio partners. And this was on from 1955 to 1958, and this was like a regular primetime radio show in, you know, the golden age. So... This is my final recommendation to you guys on this episode. I think we'll do another recommendation episode in the not too distant future and I'll recommend some other stuff. But I think this one's really good because I think it really gives you a good basis for understanding the history of science fiction. And I think the understanding the history of science fiction gives you a really great base for understanding current science fiction and current television because it gives you a really great perspective about where the ideas came from. We've talked a lot about how artists build off of previously existing ideas. yeah. And uh, a lot of these ideas that are just now becoming mainstream ideas were introduced in the 1940s, and the 1930s, Um, you know, almost 100 years ago at this point. And these extremely, extremely creative writers introduced these ideas. And you don't have to go track down all of these individual short stories because X minus one produced them for you. Ah, that's so cool. My final recommendation for you guys today. This has been a really fun episode for me. Oh, yeah.
0: This was Oh, man, for sure. I
1: really like covering the, you know, singular topics like we've been doing. But this is also like a really, really kind of fun way to explore uh, the different things going on out there in the sci-fi world, too. And, you know, stuff that has existed for a long time, stuff that's new and current. And all of this stuff, I think, will at least in some way help to numb the pain of the chaotic reality that we've got going on in the world right now oh yeah
0: well let me ask you okay so we're going to wrap this up two minutes each what do you think is going to happen in the final act of the ancestor simulation that we're in right now what do you think is going to happen with this election
1: if you're suggesting that the final act is november 3rd i think that biden will win the election and that's not really just wishful thinking i i know that trusting the polls is a dangerous thing to do after 2016 but i do think he'll win but i also think that the cause causes that 45 has championed aren't going to go away. White supremacists and militant militias are going to continue to be a problem in America for quite a while. And I think the dystopia will um, tighten its stranglehold on our lives,
0: no matter who wins. That's what I think. Yeah, I kind of think so, too. I just listened to an amazing podcast, I think it was a New York Times podcast, where they were profiling these militias. And it's like, dude, they got military, they got ex-police, they got, I mean, this is serious. And these people are like, yeah, we're ready for civil war. It's like, what what? Is wrong with you guys? Are you crazy? But anyways, I, I think the big question is, you know, if, I think if if it's a landslide, which is what the polls are are predicting, then I think he'll go away. Um, I think if it's close, if it's a state or two, we're in for some. It's just starting. I think that's the question. I, I tend to think with you two, it, t- it looks like it's going to be a landslide at this point, like a serious landslide. But we'll see. I mean. If it comes down to two states, he's going to, he's already got operatives, lawyers on the ground where they're going to try and steal the election.
1: Well, let me just go on record as saying, fuck the Electoral College. That makes, that system makes zero sense. It makes, I don't care if you live in the middle of nowhere and it represents, it, you feel like it represents you better. I understand that the, the idea behind the Electoral College is that. People in these like more rural areas are like, well, we get to be represented. It shouldn't be where you know New York and L.A. decide the election. Sorry, I'm sorry to say this to you, but fuck that. It doesn't make. It makes even less sense for the minority to win the election. Yeah, that makes yeah, even okay. less sense. I'm not the, the the popular vote isn't perfect, but what you're advocating makes even less sense. Sorry that you're in the minority. You guys should just have to suck it up for being in the minority.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, this was all concession for slavery. Is what the electoral Yeah. is. Yep, 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 yep yeah. The history do if, if you don't know it, do
1: yourself a favor and look up the history of the electoral college. I hate getting I don't hate it. I just I'm sorry that we're always so political on this podcast. But as we've said many many times, we're trying to examine the future. We have to look at the politics of today. There's just no other way to do it. Yeah,
0: I agree. All right, well, listen, man, this was a great one, dude. I'm really pumped. I will see you on the backside of this election, man. We'll figure out uh, where we stand, where the simulation is then, what's next. Yeah, well, good luck until then, man. All right, brother. Take care, man. Later.